you would just kind of have to pivot. And I think it's almost like at work where in some roles people are think strategic, now think tactical. And so on one hand, you're like, okay, what what are the big decisions we're making as a family? And uh, my dad, except for during a few hospitalizations, he never lost his cognitive abilities. And so that is a blessing, but also talking about end of life care with someone who is at the end of life is no joke either. So you're like, okay, forms and who's going to do what? And when do we make decisions? But then it's like, wait, think fast. Did you bring the handicap placard? Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Authentic Conversations. I'm really excited today, uh, especially because of even just something that was said offline right before we got started. (laughs) So if you're watching, you're staring at Jen Walsh. If not, you are about ready to hear her speak. Uh, I had a opportunity as I do with so many individuals to connect with Jen online. Uh, We do business in the same space, uh, employee benefits, health insurance. uh, And Jen has spent uh, an extended period of time leading organizations, uh, uh, which she did so successfully and then decided a few years back to get out on her own and go for it and has been incredibly successful in doing that. Uh, I'll say that for her. I'm sure she would be too (laughs) humble to totally Totally brag about it, um, but uh, not just from what I perceive, but from what I've heard from lots of individuals that have worked with her and agencies that have worked with her. She's done an incredible work. And so uh, for that, now I will say, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited to have an authentic conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let, let's let's dig into that. I think I think it's super fun. So I mentioned uh, just a second ago that you know offline you said something that I just think is a great place to really get started, and you said that uh, many months ago I posted something on LinkedIn and it just kind of dropped this authentic grenade in front of you, and I've never <laughs> heard it said like that, but I think it's so good. Um, and so I know a little bit about your story. We've had some conversation around just kind of the experience you've had particularly over the last few years. So why don't you share with everybody just kind of a little bit about what uh, the last couple of years has looked like for you as you have started a business, as you've dealt with a lot of personal uh, challenge. uh, And I'll just kind of interject as we go and, and we'll see where it flies from there. Great, great. Well, like many people, I went to LinkedIn on a particular day, I think it was back in November, and there I am on the scroll, and here comes Ryan and saying, you know, here comes his next season of his podcast, and we're all out here, you know, having our own challenges and learning along the way. And so I'm trying to very much, I'm scrolling in LinkedIn, my professional space, and (laughs) this authentic grenade hits me because the question, yes, while I'm an entrepreneur and I have experienced the typical challenges you would expect building a business over the last almost five years and in the midst of COVID and so on and so forth, particularly in the midst of that scroll, it just uh, hit me right in the heart because my dad had just died a couple of months before. And over two years, the experience of caregiving 
and the myths that were deconstructed, you know, things I thought that when this happened to me, uh, Mm -hmm. how my sisters and I would, would show up, it just really struck me. So there I was just trying to be all professional. And my sisters and I joke as we went through that process with dad, like, you know, we don't have time to kind of process this right now. So I said, I'm just going to put that in my little box of suppression and I'm just going to put it in the box and then we'll come back to that someday. So there, there I was um, thinking about client service or employee benefits or something. And I'm like, someone's telling me I need to talk this out with Ryan. So I literally stopped what I was doing and sent you a note and said, I have no idea if this is even what you are talking about. But if you want to talk about caregiving, bringing someone to their knees, uh, I'm your gal. So here we are. Yeah, no, I I think that that I think that's so relevant in so many ways, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that I'm not exactly sure how old you are. I'm 44, about to turn 45. And my parents are, are, are getting close to, you know, the age of they're in their mid to late seventies. And it's like, you just start to never know, um, you know, w- when things are going to happen. And so obviously I think that's in the back of some people's minds that already heard you say what you said, like either they've dealt with it or they will, or there is some other, uh, challenging time that they have been or are about to be presented with. And I think that in the same vein, uh, it's like, okay, you said something there, which was, we thought we knew how we were going to handle this. And yet it sounds like it, it didn't end up, I mean, maybe it ended up the way you thought it was, but it, it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And so maybe you can be a little bit helpful there in kind of painting a picture of what did you what were you assuming things were going to be kind of how were you preparing yourself, your family, whatever for that? And then how did that actually impact you? And how did you start to wrestle through that? Great. So I think that um, when you try to show up every day and really be intentional and grateful for the blessings you have. So my parents married for, you know, 55 years. They wow. and my sisters were close. So the three of us are you know, three girls in four years. We all are you know, my sisters and I live in the Bay Area. Mom and dad were 70 miles away. They have health care. They have community. You know, you, you go through the list of challenges that most people have in this world. And you want to be grateful. And we are grateful. And yet, caregiving and the health care system in the world today is so crushing that even when you have all those advantages and the privilege of education, advocacy. I mean, surely I would be able to figure out my parents' bills, doctor's appointments. I've been 32 years in the employee benefits arena. And while I haven't specialized in Medicare, I mean, I would think I've got a better than average chance of advocating. Yep. And so when I say that, it's like you think, and now sure, I'd rather spend money on other things, but also access to funds, two mm-hmm. sisters who are also willing to help, mom and dad have their thing. There isn't even, money can't even buy you out of this issue. Mm-hmm. And I am hard pressed to think of many other things in life that you can't exchange cold, hard U.S. dollars in exchange for your time. And so the number one thing I would say to anyone listening is that it is a complete myth if you are thinking, well, I'll just get someone to help mom or dad. Mm. 
that help does not exist in a, in a consist in the way that they are thinking. And so that's just to anything I can do so that people can feel more, um, at least not the shock and awe and surprise mm-hmm. and practical, you know, I'm, pr- I'm kind of practical default. Um, yeah. And so that that's kind of the, the, the genesis of that. So I have all sorts of tactical tips, strategic tips, things that people should keep in mind um, because we are also on this roller coaster with a complication of COVID coming and going during the whole mm. time. But, but the whole time you think, surely this will get easier. Oh, and by the way, my dad is dying. So we'll yeah. come back to that. But the, the overwhelm of just the logistics, it's, it, it's, it's crushing and it's a huge surprise. And, and, you know, it's a little bit like, I don't, people don't really want to know really. Yeah. Because there aren't easy answers, but for the people who do want to know, then that's something I spent a little bit of time talking about. And so as you, I mean, I love that you talk about like, you know, there's this tension, right? Between the feelings and the emotion of this is your father and you are fighting for his life um, and, and, you know, whatever quality of life there is in that. And at the same time, you have to kind of put on this practical business operational leader's hat to try and manage this. And so how did you find yourself balancing the tension between those two things? Because, I mean, it sounds like, no, I didn't want to assume this yet. I'm I'm going to let you say like, so did you find yourself gravitating towards one or the other? Like where, how did you live in that? So my sisters and I joke and I I've, I flirted with the idea of a podcast called The On-Call Sister. And so with three of us and, and my one sister and I look very much alike. So it was kind of like nurses would think we are the stunt double. You know, it's, it didn't even matter. Just call me whoever. I'm the one on shift uh, today. You would just kind of have to pivot. And I think it's almost like at work where in some roles people are think strategic now, think tactical. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, you're like, OK, what? What are the big decisions we're making as a family? And uh, my dad, oh, uh, except for during a few hospitalizations, he never lost his cognitive abilities. And so wow. that is a blessing. But also talking about end of life care with someone who is at the end of life is no joke mm. either. So you're like, OK, forms and who's going to do what and when do we make decisions? But then it's like, wait, think fast. Did you bring the handicap placard? Wait, think fast. Do we have a pill crusher? Hey, think fast. Like that pill needs to be taken. And so you need pudding or so it's it's that exhaustion also. Mm. And and then also done in a way that um, so you asked, we were talking about like kind of where we are in life. So I'm 54. My children literally just graduating from college and starting college where it was like, OK, close that chapter. Now, aisle three, you know, parents. <laughs> And you want to show up and be respectful of your parents' privacy. So that that's the same healthy tension as our children are aging. You know, yeah. they're young adults. So where where's my help welcomed? Where do I owe my parents? Yep. Like mom, it took mom a long time to just accept that um, help for her would allow her time to help my dad. Mm. She still wanted to do everything around the house. And so you're also navigating those personal relationships and and then also boundaries with siblings and in and in, in-laws. So um, there's just a whole 
it's, it's a next level group project. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as this is all happening too, cause you're also, you've been running a business for three, four, now five years, but you know, yeah. three years into it, probably about at that point, uh, you are the CEO, you are the, you know, the, the revenue <laughs> generator, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very much in the same boat in, in that category. And so there is still that side of life to live. And so how, first of all, how was that affecting or impacting your ability to show up every single day for the people that were expecting you to show up? So great question. At the core of it, and and this, it took this level of family crisis to do this for me, because I have like the idealist galore, right? (laughs) And so I had to just get very intentional. Look, my current clients are the priority and family. And so a bunch of things went to the next year list. And dad and I actually had a lot of fun talking about a lot of those things. So now this year, as those things come to fruition, that they had to sit and percolate. Um, they're also better than they would have been if I wow. had done them then. So I think that's a, a, a blessing. So on the, on the work front, I just had to get really crystal clear. Some things, and, and and you have to kind of mourn and grieve a little bit. It's like, hey, look, things just don't go the way we thought. And so you just go, well, that's just the way it is. So, so that went off the list. And I think that for the people I was coaching, whether it was one-on-one or in groups, operating in this realm, I no longer have the direct reports, the clients, the burden, the trying to work, the hybrid, like some of the transitions. So if I were in my former role and was having to lead through all that, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I wasn't, and I didn't have little kids anymore. So one thing I tried to focus on was that this was the universe giving me my simulation of what my clients were going through, whether they try to serve their clients. So you talk about getting real. I mean, a few times I went live with my clients from mom and dad's house and Mm. and things that maybe in my mind I was also going to have a perfect PowerPoint or something that went with it, of course, which nobody would care about. Um, I just had to prioritize showing up with the energy and intention and without distraction. And in that whole process, there's only one client where I literally got on the call and literally something with home health. I just said, I, I will fill you in later, but I just can't do this right now. Wow. One of my largest clients I first met from a waiting room in a ICU after being up all night. Wow. And of course I could have canceled that call, but partially that's what was kind of keeping my energy. Yeah. Like I needed a bit of, the consistency and maybe other people who've gone through it would know what I mean. Cause some people say, well, why don't you just not work for three months, which could have been an option. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I, I, I like, I needed a little bit just for my mental health. So then I could, could show up the way I wanted to. And so I think that was the benefit is that somebody else might've been trying to lead their client with 
kids homeschooling, right? Because this was all during COVID and post-COVID. And I was modeling for them Hmm. what really matters and pretending that we've got everything all together is probably not helpful. So they were watching me do that live and we got it all done and we did great work one way or another. Well, I think that there's a lot of really, really great lessons there. I, I, I want to go back more to the care, but I think there's a lot of great lessons there. Uh, so one, it sounds like the clients that you were working with sounded really understanding and empathetic of the situation, right? I mean, it wasn't ideal. I, I Like no matter what excuse, g- good reason or whatever we use as a story, we still have to show up and deliver. Absolutely. But but for for it sounds like your clients were understanding and empathetic to the situation, which is something that I preach so much. And I wish people really took to heart more, which is the right type of client is far more valuable than the revenue that that client produces. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if this would have been strictly business and you wouldn't have chosen those clients wisely ahead of time. I mean, again, you know, you you do have the liberty to do that. But if yeah. you would not have done that then you could have put yourself into a situation where little by little, you just watched every single client leak out the back door that you had worked so hard to build in the first place, right? Right. Or if I, in that time period, had operated from scarcity, like Hmm. I have to just go get any other clients or say yes to work that's not ideal, that would have that would have taken time and energy so that my ideal clients didn't get my best work. Hmm. And And so I think that there's also something to it there that to build a life so that you can just say, um, I can't say yes to that project right now Yep. because my energy, you know, has a priority with my existing clients. And then also I think it's playing out like what's the worst that would happen that I knew that if I reached a point that I really couldn't fulfill any obligations to a client then I could just call them and say that and give them their money back or Hmm. make it right or find another solution. And in the end, that didn't have to happen. Now, partially because I was blessed with two other sisters. So we literally had a master calendar where we had blocked out and read, like, unless it was like we were at DEFCON 10, who was in rotation. And so that, that also in kind of time management uh, allowed me to keep the business going. And then my sister, one sister in particular would say, I said, well, this and that. She goes, but remember you made that up. <laughs> like nobody else knows that that's what you're planning to launch in two yeah. months. So there's really no downside to saying, Oh, okay. I guess that'll be 2023. So I think that's another, that, that's another really good kind of like practical takeaway. Um, it was, and, and you mentioned this earlier, but the people around you, you know, the fact that you had your sisters there, that you guys were so supportive of each other, that you were able to work through this like a team. Um, and and again, for for whatever people um, will potentially go through in the future, like if we're, if we're looking at this in hindsight, this doesn't work anymore, but um, something like this is going to happen to every single one of us, um, whether it is, I mean, eventually all of our parents will pass away, God forbid, uh, you know, right. that's just the way it happens, but th- like that will happen. But there are other tragedies that are going to take us out of the pocket that are going to pull us away from the ideal that are not going to allow us to do our job or run our business or whatever. And I think it's so 
important. Like you were fortunate enough that it was your own family for other people that don't have that. You know, there are still other opportunities out there to build good relationships, tight relationships with other people that can still speak into those things. Right. I mean, that's just gotta be such an important part of what got you to this place. Yeah. And I mean, I even think back through a, a study group that I was in for over 10 years. We still have this wild tech string still going. We haven't formally met for four or five years. But but they're like over the years became my my personal board of directors also. Mm. And several of them were going through several things. So as life ebbs and flows, uh, to your point, whether it's to augment your your blood relatives or to just really being intentional, like who are you surrounding yourself with and who are you building your career with? Because, you know, if you're aging and progressing in your career, most likely these life events come up. So several of us lost parents and they were very good also to talk through kind of, you know, if I only have time to do A or B, mm. which do you think is most impactful? Yep. And, and so... I think part is being open that these are, these are things that are um, eligible for discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And relevant, you know, just like how much would you price for this project? Yeah. It's like, do you think this is the best investment of my time? Mm, that's good. So as you reflect back, I mean, it's pretty fresh. How, how long ago was it that your dad passed away? He, he died May 24th. Okay. So mm -hmm. really fresh. Um, mm -hmm. Would you have done anything differently now that you've been able to reflect back on it, whether it was during that season of time or even shortly after your dad passed away? I mean, do you see that there's anything you're like, hmm, now that I know, I wish I would have done or I could have done? The, the list is short, which is a blessing, but one mm -hmm. is literally with the logistics of his funeral and service and my son was graduating from high school and there was all these things in this rush. And we had the um, event to honor his life. And I, I ended up with a client on the East Coast where I did uh, a large event for them, a webinar at 6 a.m. Pacific the next morning, which is a bit ambitious and on the West Coast. But I do that from time to time. I mean, I have done it. And the adrenaline, like the cortisol that had been pumping through my body for a couple of years. I mean, honestly, I was like, in my mind, the crisis was over. Mm. And it was like, well, for heaven's sakes, like I, I have found a way to, and that I love like live workshops, whatever, like that gives me energy. Yeah. So that didn't feel stressful or heavy. And I underestimated the complete just you know, crash. And so mm. we made it through. They're still great clients. They're awesome. But when I reflect, I'm like, I really, that was a self-inflicted wound. Mm. And even though, yes, it's hard to get 50 producers together, like they, they're the most gracious, wonderful people. Like if I had just said, you know what, this is the only way. And I just think we need to postpone, they would have. So I think it's thing I underestimated that. Yeah, that's good. That okay. On, on the flip side then, how do you feel like you're better because of what you dealt with? Mm. And, and let me say, let me say this too, as a preface, I mean, people hear me say this re rarely or pretty often at this point, but I believe that as we reflect back on any hurt, any heartache, any tragedy, while 
most of us would do anything we could to erase it, redo it, remove it, whatever. We, we've gone through it. And in, so in reflecting back and not being able to take it away, I feel like we're always able to see some growth, something better, something reflective to say, gosh, I wish that didn't happen. But though it did, I can see how I'm in the position I'm in. So for you, what what was that? Or what were those things that that you really feel like shaped you for the better? Well, I would say with my with my sisters, this was going to go one of two directions. We never spoke to each other again, or we are tighter (laughs) than ever. So I mean, some of the dark moments, but also like dark humor was my coping strategy. So just kind of the laughs and some of the jokes. And I mean, we've now been through like the shared experience. And I know in in a lot of your life experiences, I mean, whether you're related to people or you go through a traumatic event together, those are those are new kind of neuron connections that I have with them. And the other would be my sister's husband and my husband did anything needed. Like they showed up. And so we would say to our kids, you see, you see, like this is like when you choose a life partner, Hmm. good times and bad and sickness and health. I am quite sure the day John and I got married 25 years ago, he was not picturing my dad's health, (laughs) you know, but when the rubber hits the road, I mean, literally, I was like getting called two in the morning. I grabbed the dog. I'm driving, you know, an hour and a half away or I'm going to go to mom and dad's and I'll be home in two days and I'd be there 12. Yeah. And and so I think the 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 partnership and then third, where it all kind of comes back to uh, my entrepreneurial endeavors and helping people think about talent and supporting people to do their best work, not only having raised two children while always working, I feel like I took a crash course in two years that I can also bring a an additional um, flavor, you know, addition to that conversation so that people aren't naive about what may or may not happen to their to their workforce. Because I think a lot of times people think about, oh, you know, how many of my employees might have children? Mm. But if we think about the insurance industry, we cannot afford for anybody to retire too early. Right. Right. There just aren't enough human beings. Yeah. And so I think, you know, modern workforce planning starts to build in this whole the broader perspective of caregiving. Yeah. And along that line as well, this idea of, you know, equity and uh, women and men in the workplace, you know, men need to do their fair share of caregiving. This can't all fall on women. Yep. And and a brief shout out to if you if you live in Chicago and your parents are in Cleveland and your sister or sister-in-law are there, I, I invite you to go and spend a week and find out what supporting mom or mom and dad really looks like. Hmm. Because it's, we were also lucky because we were all here, but there are a lot of people who are dispersed. Yeah. 
and having empathy. So like, what can you do if you're the sibling who's far away? So I think um, that that's kind of the third thing. So my sisters and um, uh, also them being able to bring this empathy to, to the workplace. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, and, you know, even in that, I heard you say something else that, <clears throat> well, uh, there was a lot, there was a lot of things. So I, I think that I take away, so marriage is just a hot topic and button for me all the time, no matter what, I just can't get away from talking about it. Um, and so I think that wisdom in that experience early on, like that's not something that you sit down and have marriage counseling, you know, premarital right. marital counseling about, right? No one talks about, well, okay, what are we going to do when our parents get old? And, you know, do you want to take care of them? Do you want to make sure that we've saved enough money so somebody else can help to like, so, so I think that's an amazing thing. You know, that's just one of the things that young couples never talk about. So I think that that's phenomenal. Um, there was another thing in there that you said too, that really stood out to me around um, employees, you talked about, you know, like this industry specifically, but employees and, you know, like them having these types of experiences and talent. And so one thing that I think that most employers overlook, so we live in a day and age where mental health, the mental health discussion is getting better, but I believe that the mental health discussion is only only becomes a, a, a discussion once the shit hits the fan. No one really ever talks about it previous. There's few organizations that really pay attention. And I'm sure you would agree with the fact that if you have somebody that is internally broken, whether there's a past hurt that's undealt with, there's something that like they're living in a broken or, or challenging marriage, or they're caring for, uh, you know, a, an elderly um, uh, parent uh, or relative, um, that that will hinder their ability to perform at their best, which just unfortunately damages your whole organization. And yet organizations spend so much time, effort, and energy focused on all these hard skills, tactics, strategies, process, which are all good in and of themselves. But they spend all their, in, their invest almost everything into that and none into helping their employees to prepare for the battle that comes or to, to help them in the battle before it gets to the point where they've lost everything. So do you feel like maybe even more so now, I, it sounds like you're the type of person that would have done this before, but in your coaching, when you're working with organizations, is this something that you're regularly trying to talk about even when they're not asking for it? Yeah, but I, I regularly bring up things they don't ask for. <laughs> my, my company's genuine shift. So, you know, genuine, authentic, kind of we play in the same world. So that's kind of my jam anyway. And to say, look, it may not pre be presenting itself yet, but my whole thing is we're in the business of um, avoiding risk and surprises. So let's at least where we can educate our own employees. So if I'm an insurance broker, my own team that we sell expertise, so our people are our product. So we should probably, you know, make sure they are uh, able to, to do the consulting we've sold. But also such a great thread to, to bring into just the employee benefits arena. I mean, if you think about even just this simple thing where most firms are so like before 65, after 65, 
it's like, but with the aging workforce, I mean, you know, you look at a census, you know how many employees are about to turn 65 or their dependents this next year. If you even just gave them some tips, hey, you're going to get some forms and this is what you're going to do and this is what you don't do if you're still an active employee, like readiness, like where we can eliminate any surprise. Hmm. Like I even wrote it down because I didn't want to lose this one. Anybody with a anybody they care about on Medicare, right? It could be a neighbor, whoever's close to you. You know, you don't find out there's a form you can sign up front so you can advocate. And if your loved one is incapacitated or in my case, deceased when you're trying to do it, it's a little late. And then you go back and forth with Medicare, them insisting your dad sign a form. And I'm like, he is dead. I mean, like, I didn't even know what even, I ran out of words with Medicare. Yeah. And so there's um, form um, 1696. So there's HIPAA forms, but there's also just forms up front. Like people can do that at the next holiday. You know, it's an icebreaker. <laughs> hey, you know, Does that go I back to know. your dark humor? Is that, is that the yes. dark humor coming out right there? <laughs> yes. So let's all and talk so, about when we're going to die. Let's give thanks for that. <laughs> hey, Look, at, I want to advocate for you, but it's there are these just tips. And so, yeah. like, you need to know what medications your parents take. Like, there could be little tips you could be giving your workforce, again, so they don't get these surprise things. Like, it's enough, hey, mom and dad are aging, but if you're the person helping, things that don't make sense start showing back up. Like, Nobody looks in a system. They ask your aging parent or sick parent or you, now what medication are they taking? And you need to have it on paper because nobody goes and looks at it on a system. And so like there's little things like that that I think organizations could be thinking about so that the employee can really activate a plan. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I think there's a little bit of space to... I think with, with caregiving, because now often I think about, oh, my gosh, these parents who have children who are sick Oof. with chronic illnesses. Oof. It's like, you know, when you, you don't understand when people have a bad back, like until you throw your own back out. Like you're like, oh, I've like looked. I, I've I've seen now things that give me a whole next level of empathy for what other people have been navigating for a long time. Mm -hmm. And and I think there's a there's a group of people who, when it comes to parents, their relationships are complicated. And even if they aren't the ones doing the caregiving because of whatever has happened in their past, uh, that comes with a bunch of feelings. Also, yeah. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that because it's another chapter or a book of our lives and. Yeah. Ignoring it doesn't mean that people aren't suffering. Yep. So we might as well just acknowledge that this might be pain and we can make it a less painful. Yeah. Their efforts. That's we can so take. good. So good. Well, Jen, I mean, it sounds like you made it through so well. <laughs> and I know that, you know, go, going through my own roller coaster of life uh, in it never feels as good as being on the other side of it. Um, again, obviously grieving the loss, but still. Um, and so I think, you know, just again, w in the time that I've gotten to know you and brief conversations before, a more lengthy one now, I mean, 
I'm thankful for the fact that you went through that because I think that it's people like you that are going to help to encourage and empower others that don't think like you to be able to handle situations like this better. So thank you, you know, for being willing to, um, to jump on the grenade uh, as it was thrown your way. Um, is there any, is there any kind of final word that you have anything that you just, if there's anything that I say today, this is what I want you to hear. And it could be something you said or something that you're just waiting to drop in the moment. I, I think it's more just um, an invitation that if anyone wants to to reach out and uh, share about their care, caregiving journey or yeah. how they're rumbling through it, um, concurrent to kind of transitioning to kind of next phases of their career, um, you're not out there alone. Yeah. And if you don't have siblings or somebody else to share this journey, I often just thought, how would I have done this? And so if that is a role I could play for anyone, it's just an invitation to, to reach out and, um, I can be their, you know, phone a friend and I, I can recommend, we, we also all picked our own sorrow snack. So ruffles, um, were my sorrow snack. And so, <laughs> We, we, you have to find all sorts of coping mechanisms, tactical and strategic. So, and is there like a Ruffles out? flavor that was, that was it for you? Or was it just a plain old Ruffles? Plain, plain, plain. That's, yep. that's so good. That's so good. Party, uh, party size bags. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out what my grieving snack is. I don't know yet. <laughs> well, Jen, um, I, I think that's a great place to land uh, for everybody that's listening right now. I mean, you know, as always, you know, I want to encourage you to deal with the things that you're dealing with. Um, it could be, I mean, even Jen, when you were talking about, you know, um, uh, you know, medication that your parents are on or uh, my in-laws care for uh, a disabled sibling and it's like god forbid both of them pass away before the sibling does like who takes care of her and what what do we do and i'm the type of person that like not because i have like no heart but i'm like okay let's figure out how to financially take care of that because the thought of bringing that like things like that into my house are just crazy but you that may not be the possibility so anyway so i appreciate you being open to sharing that and, and opening yourself up to that. And if you're listening and you just feel like there's, man, just something that's eating at you in that way, or you have a question or a thought, take Jen up on her offer. We'll put her contact information into the show notes so you can reach out to her. She is busy, so she's not going to drop everything in the moment, uh, but I'm sure she'll get back to you in a timely manner. Um, but Jen, thank you so much. I mean, it just, it's great to hear. Um, it's really easy to, again, you know, just perceive somebody on social media as you're a hundred percent dialed in, you're a machine, you're just killing it out there and you are, but still, you know, that there's this other side of you that, um, just possesses so much richness and depth, uh, you know, around the human experience that, uh, I'm thankful to get to know, and I'm thankful to have been able to share with other people. So thank you. It's my, my pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, as always, that wraps up another episode of Authentic Conversations. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can reach out to me. You know where to find me. want to do my best to support you in your endeavor to be the best version of whoever you have been called to be. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. 
And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.